Race doesn't limit you from anything. It's all about I feel like they learn about race from, I teach them what you know about who you are with somebody else that looks like you. And love who you are. love racial identity. This is In My Skin, a podcast about race and childhood. I'm Adam Flango. So for the past few weeks, I've mentioned that we were working on some new material. We're constantly researching and discussing new topics for In My Skin, and with each piece of research, we came across a through line, something that underpins practically every piece we read and every interview we conduct. It's called implicit bias. Rather than dedicating a single episode to a subject as broad as implicit bias, we wanted to explore the topic more deeply. So that's why we're creating a special In My Skin series that will air this fall and explore the many different sides of implicit bias. And we want to hear from you. Email the show at racepride at pit.edu or reach out to us on social media at The Pride Program if you are interested in being part of the series. In the meantime, we are still going to be bringing you conversations about race and young children. Today's episode features parent, author, and founder of brownmamas.com, Muffy Mendoza, at the Pride Speaker Series on May 2nd, 2019. Here's Muffy discussing why culture is such a critical component in nurturing young black children. Everybody is doing well. So thank y'all for having me up here and allowing me to come and share some information. This will definitely be more like a dialogue than it will be me talking to you, or at least I hope that I get some amen, some claps, some no, stop, I don't like that, or something from y'all because I don't just, I don't like getting up and talking before people. I really prefer to just have a conversation. So tonight, I really wanted to talk about culture. So when I'm a bit of a rogue person, meaning that I don't like to be told what to talk about. <laughs> so I'm always gonna be trying to think outside of the box when somebody gives me like, okay, this is what we want you to talk about. I always try to be like, okay, let me look at it from a different perspective and think about this from a different perspective. So I really wanted to talk about culture tonight because, so I'm a homeschooling mom. I homeschool my three sons um, and it's been quite the journey. It's been a journey figuring out what is the best way to educate these boys who didn't necessarily ask to be educated in the first place. Um, it's been a journey to figure out how they learn best. It's been a journey to, to really have to rewrite the culture of my own household to fit in line with how they best express their own personal genius. Um, so I think when I started homeschooling my boys, that was this was the first word that came to mind, was culture. Because what it did, what homeschooling did in my household was completely change the cultural dynamics of my household. It went from really us being ships passing, sometimes in the night, sometimes in the morning, oftentimes in the afternoon, to me and my husband being totally and completely immersed in our children's lives in a way that I'd never experienced before despite having at the time we started homeschooling, I'm pretty sure I had a 13-year-old. So at that point, I'd been a mom for 13 years, but I'd never really experienced being with my kids for that amount of time with the impetus to teach them. For me, that was something that was completely new. So it changed the cultural dynamics of my household, and it also made me very aware of how culture impacts children and how culture is not just what you sing or what you eat or how you express yourself artistically, culture really is 
It's about those norms that you have every day. So I wanted to talk a little bit about why culture is the anecdote for education for black children. So this slide was just me introducing myself, but Medina did that already, so I won't go back over that. Um, but this point that I wanted to make is about being a culture creator and a tribe builder. And we'll talk a little bit later about why I feel like every parent, specifically every black parent in the room, needs to be a culture creator. Because, well, we'll talk about that later. But I also wanted to say that I do not believe in the achievement gap. And I know that's gonna give some people pause, like, wait, we've been talking about this for a long time. There is an achievement gap in America. But before we move forward, I really need you to, in some way, at least think about the fact that we do not have an achievement gap in our country. And I only say that because my oldest son, up until we started homeschooling him, was a BC student. Once we started homeschooling him, my son went back to school Six months ago, he is in AP English, he is in AP Science, he is in AP Math. When we got him a tutor, after three weeks, his math teacher said, your son is gifted in math. The entire time my son was in school, we were like, no. <laughs> He's horrible at math, just like his mama. Like, there's no getting around that. But once we started homeschooling and, and were able to tap into his innate genius, we realized really quickly that there was no achievement gap that ever existed with him. There was only a gap in the way he was being taught. So I wanted to talk about that. So the first thing I want to talk about is what is culture? And I wrote that it is the essence that creates, maintains, and propels the behaviors, thoughts, reactions, and actions of one group of people. In essence, culture is that thing inside of you that you cannot get rid of, that you probably don't even know exists, but it is in every moment of your day and every step that you take, it is the very thing that is pushing you to do the things that you do, to think the way that you think, to react the way that you react. And when you're talking about a group of people, you're talking about that culture is the very thing that makes that mass of people react, think, and believe in a similar manner. So that's the first thing that culture is. The second thing is it's a creative mechanism that acts to protect, and uniquely identify one group of people from another group of people. And I think the word here, I think there are a few words in this sentence that are really important. The number one is creative mechanism. So we have to remember that we create culture. Yes, it is a part of our essence, but it is being created with every generation. It's being created with every person, with any, every engagement that you have, it's being created but it's also a protective mechanism, or at least it's supposed to be. Your culture is supposed to be what insulates you and enables you to, to defend yourself when you are engaging with other groups of people or other individuals. And thirdly, it's supposed to identify you. So your culture is supposed to be the thing that identifies you as who you are. So I think that you can look at other ethnicities who have migrated to this country to see how culture identifies you. Every culture that comes to America makes a lot of money by selling their culture. They sell what they do well. The problem with African Americans is that we have not been able to craft and create that culture with which to sell. And oftentimes when we've crafted it or tried to create it, it's been the very things that keep us down that we are trying to cultivate. Um, and then lastly, it is understood by its participants but can seem strange, 
foreign, backwards, and backwards even to non-participants. So it's this, there's a proverb that I have. If you've ever emailed me and I've emailed you back on my house email, you'll see that there's a proverb at the bottom that says, a family is like a forest. From the outside, it seems dense. From the inside, every tree, you can see that every tree has its purpose. So to somebody who's on the outside of your culture, it should seem strange. It should seem backwards. It should seem like it doesn't make any sense because it's not their culture. It's your culture. So that is, but that is an important thing because we talked about protect and insulate. That is what your culture is supposed to do. So that is what culture is. And I think we need to juxtapose that against what education is. And it was really interesting when I looked up the definition of education, which just occurred like a year ago. I think it's time that we dispel the myth that black children are not being educated, because they are. Black children are being educated. But education just does not have the definition that we believe that it has. Education means, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, to provide schooling for. Clap your hands if you think black children are being provided schooling. Mm -hmm. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary also says that education is to train by formal instruction and supervise practice, especially in a skilled trade or profession. I believe that black children are being trained in formal instruction and supervised to practice something, some sort of profession. Can we agree on that? Can I get a, okay. Black children are developing mentally, morally, and aesthetically. I do believe that, maybe in the wrong direction, but they are developing mentally, <laughs> morally, and aesthetically. They are being provided with information. And I think the last sentence is really important. Black children are, in fact, being persuaded to condition, to feel, and believe in a desired way. Clap your hands if you agree with that. Okay, so we've defined education. So we've defined culture and we've def defined education. Now I think this is where it gets real sticky. Education minus culture is unnecessary, unproductive learning. If you're not taking into account the cultural norms of the people who you are educating, then everything you are teaching them is unnecessary and unproductive. I figured this out homeschooling my own children when I basically tried to take their classroom and put it in my living room. And they was like, we ain't doing this. We about to play video games. Like, that's just not happening. We're at home now. The home is the place where we do our cultural thing. It's where we get to be ourselves. You're not going to take what's happening in that classroom that we didn't like in the first daggone place and put it in my living room. So they rebelled with everything. Like, my youngest son, I would I took a picture and posted it on Facebook. I remember one time I had told them to go in the living room and do their work or in the dining room. And I went back to my desk. My son got up underneath my desk, which was made of glass, and he just lay there. No book, no pencil. He just lay there. And I was like, Philip, you need to go back and do your work. He was like, I'm not doing that, Mom. Not disrespectfully, just I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I learned very quickly that I had to find a way to make it so that what we were doing culturally at home would flow with what they needed educationally. 
And I did that in a myriad of ways. Number one, I immersed our video games is how we learn at my house. My sons, they just started playing a game called Cuphead. Has anybody ever heard of Cuphead? Anybody got sons heard of Cuphead? It's this game that is set in the 1920s. <laughs> and it is basically an adventure game. So I already started looking for stuff to teach them about the 1920s, about the race relations of the 1920s, about you know the culture of the 1920s, the politics of the 1920s. You have to find a way to figure out what cultural norms exist for those children, and then you have to teach them from that standpoint. But also, you have to recognize that if the education that you're providing these children is not culturally relevant, it's moot. And when I say culturally, culturally relevant, what I'm really meaning is that it's unnecessary because education outside of successful outcomes means nothing. And I always ask people, when they say that their children are successful in school, I ask them, well, will your child be able to graduate from school and be able to sustain the community they live in? If the answer is no, then the education is worthless. It's worthless. It, it doesn't have a point. So everybody is obsessed with language arts, and which I've completely removed from our curriculum because I recognize that my children are gifted or they're, they're, they're storytellers, just like their mom. So I don't spend a lot of time on nouns and pronouns. I spend time on making sure they can read effectively and making sure they can give a presentation. And then when they get older, I'll make them good writers. But you have to recognize whatever your child's particular genius is, and couple that with the genius of the people that they come from to make the education productive. And if you don't do that, then it's just, it's just useless. Um, education is unproductive when it's not combined with culture because education that does not produce children capable of sustaining themselves means nothing. And so that brings me to this slide, which is my guiding, this is my guiding quote for educating my children. It is not enough to fill the minds of African children with knowledge. It must be knowledge that is appropriate. It must be knowledge that is relevant to solving the problems of African people. If you're not teaching black people how to solve black problems, then there's no education that's occurring. It's not happening. They're just being educated to go out and do this kind of colonizer thing where they're educated to go out and learn to be colonizers that can go into their communities and act as colonizers. And that's not helpful for them. And it's not helpful for the people, the neighborhoods, the communities, the mothers and the fathers who are pouring into them on a daily basis. So why is black culture the anecdote? Because culture is being taught in the classroom regardless of effort anyhow. What we have to recognize is that culture is not something that is expressed when you paint a picture or you know, when you sing a song or when you eat some food. That's not the only way that it is expressed. Culture is expressed in what you say every day. It is expressed in how you walk. It is expressed in how you engage with people. It's expressed in how you think about economics and politics and social structures. That is, what, that is what culture is. And so when that teacher walks into the classroom and she's not like any of the kids in the classroom, she's expressing her unique culture, as she should. As she should. Because that is what grew her, what birthed her, what makes her the person she is. But that doesn't mean that it's healthy for the kids. 
And we know this because these things, all of these things that come from European, Western, white culture are what's taking place in our classroom and they are the antithesis to what is occurring in our neighborhoods. So test taking and cultural aptitude tests, sedentary nature of current education when we know that black children express their genius athletically many times. I have a younger son who plays soccer you would never think he's never played soccer before. And he didn't start playing until he was nine. And we've had multiple teams across the city recruit him to play soccer. It's innate in him. It's just a part of his natural genius. Lack of project-based and problem-solving based education. I remember in our second year of homeschooling, my oldest son was actually able to participate in a project with me where we, um, we rehabbed a vacant lot. And he came to me afterwards and he said, Mom, this is probably the best experience I've ever had in my life. Because we took this vacant lot, which was just weeds, we leveled it and we built upon it. Black children are not getting those opportunities. So when they go out into the world and they have these huge problems to solve, they have no, I had no idea where to start and where to end. So that's just, <laughs> And then lack of improvisation. Me and Keisha were talking about this. She's one of the women who helps us with homeschooling our children by offering us an art class at the Ujama Collective. How often do the children in these classrooms get to improvise? Which we know is a part of black genius. We know that when black people are given the opportunity to turn something into nothing, to be able to, and to do it all off of just the vibe of being around one another and the vibe of being in their cultural norm, that is genius for black children. So why are we putting these things last? And of course, the lack of current black cultural norms that are expressed in the classroom, like code switching. Code switching is an art. It is an art that black folks have mastered. So why are we starting out the, why are they not learning that? Why is there not a class on code switching? That should be a class. Instead of teaching our pronouns and nouns, teach them about code switching because they're gonna use that. And they need to be able to perfect that over time. So those are all really important things. And then I forgot to put up here, no nutrition. I was listening to a song, not a song, I was listening to a Jamaican lady and she was saying how for human beings to have to cook and not to know how to is insanity. And we know <laughs> that black people in particular have issues with nutrition. We have issues with diabetes and congestive heart failure and all of these diseases. So why are we not teaching our kids this from kindergarten? We're, what we're doing, to be honest with y'all, now that I've started homeschooling and I can look at things from a bird's eye view, excuse my language, but we're educating our kids ass backwards. We're teaching them all the stuff they don't need and then asking them later in life to be subjective to the things that they do need, which doesn't make anything, any sense. So here's a few questions that you can ask yourself about educating your children. Who is the science for? Science for who? Theory for what? How to what? Math for who? Is the content of the math being focused on building, community, solving real relevant problems? If you're doing math and, and your kids have never pulled out a tape measure, then you ain't doing math. Because they're going to need that tape measure before they need the algebra. <laughs> what mechanisms are being used to teach? Are we respecting the black genius by making our kids orators? 
Are we respecting the black genius by giving them time to improvise? What kinds of mechanisms are being used? We know that black people are the inventors of reading and writing from the hieroglyphics, right? So we know that our children learn best, which is probably why we have high rates of dyslexia in our community through pictures. But other cultures do too. Jap Mandarin, Japanese languages, they all use pictures and they read via pictures. So why aren't we presenting more of our children with the opportunity to learn to read through pictures? My youngest son did not read until he was eight years old. He would just look at the pictures. And then when I went to teach him to read, it took me a year to teach my eight-year-old to read. And before that, he rejected it. Every time I would try to present him with lessons, no, I'm not doing that. Or he would just sit there and cry while I badgered him. <laughs> so I mean, we have to get, we gotta get real. If we really wanna educate black children, we have to get real about what this needs to look like. What does it mean to add culture in the classroom? You cannot buy, hire, or train one in culture. They must live it. It's not possible. You just can't. So all of our teachers in here who happen to be of Caucasian descent, how much time are you spending in the community? Because if you ain't living it, then you can't teach it. And teaching it don't mean teaching them how to Dougie and add, add in some plus minuses and ABCs to it. That, that's, not, that's not acceptable because that is not productive. The number one job of every parent and educator of African descent in America is recognizing the productive parts of black culture and seizing upon them and taking strides to cultivate a productive cultural identity for black people in spaces where none exist. So every single, single black person in this room has to become a culture creator. That means you have to take the time out of your schedule on a regular basis to recognize the productive parts of our culture, throw the ones that are not productive away, and create. It is a creative mechanism, and it's living and breathing. So that means that we should be adding to it. I love African culture, but I also recognize that it has to evolve with the people. And if it's not evolving with the people, then it's stagnant, which means we can't do nothing with it. Because tomorrow, our kids are asking why. That's what they're asking, why? And if we can't give them a valid why, then we know what they do. They teach me how to Dougie. So I mean, it is what it is. We can't be mad at them for that. And then good black teachers by any means necessary. I remember watching a documentary. I think it was Eye on the Prize, but I keep telling people that. And they're like, I didn't see that part. But I watch a lot of documentaries. But there was a documentary was talking about the schools in Brooklyn. And when the civil rights movement was nearing its end with Brown versus Board of Education, and a lot of black teachers were ousted from school districts in Brooklyn and replaced with Jewish teachers. Well, there was a specific school, I wanna say it was, I wanna say it was on Skank. Y'all probably don't know, in Brooklyn. Some of y'all might know. But anyway, this school in particular, the black parents started to very quickly recognize that as soon as the teachers were replaced with Jewish teachers, the children's grades started to dip. So they took over the school. We gotta get gangsta. It is what it is. Like if we want our children to do well, we have to either be willing to alternatively educate them through homeschooling, unschooling, co-oping, whatever we can do, or we gotta take over the schools. But it's not enough for that because we need to be healthy too. Because there are a lot of black teachers who ain't healthy. 
like, and you're not recognizing that your cultural norms are becoming the students' cultural norms and they are unproductive. And I think we went over that already. And most importantly, I think it's just important that we tell the kids the truth. Like, acknowledge to your kid that you don't know what you're doing. I had to acknowledge it to my kid. Like, I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm doing in here. I'm just trying to make y'all learn something. <laughs> and, and recognize that I am ill-equipped. But it was through recognizing that I was ill-equipped that it, I was also then internally called to become equipped, right? So recognize and tell the children the truth. And this is one of my favorite quotes that I've read by John Holt, who is the father of uns the unschooling movement. He says, so many people have said to me, if we didn't make children do things, they wouldn't do anything. Even worse, they say, if I weren't made to do things, I wouldn't do anything. It is the creed of a slave. If we're going to recognize that African culture is the bomb, that black culture is the bomb, then we have to also recognize where it came from. And just keeping it 100 with y'all, if we was in a village today, there wouldn't be no whole bunch of classrooms. There would be a whole bunch of places to learn. So what do you have that where you, how you, where can you create a place to learn? Don't be so focused on this rigid schooling experience that you're not creating places to learn. And also recognize that your children are 10 times smarter than you. They have evolved with the culture. That's why they can use your cell phone, your tablet, and your, you know, all types of machines all at the same time, and you're still trying to figure out how to send a text message. Because they've evolved. It's us who are, like, way behind. And if we just listen to them, if we just give them the opportunity to improvise, they will express their natural genius without prompting from us. And I've had the opportunity to experience that firsthand with my own children because my kids are super smart, like super smart, and it has nothing to do with me, like very little. Most of what I do is provide structure, discipline, and love, and make sure that they are, you know, meeting their milestones when they're supposed to. So the last thing I'll just say is that our culture is still living, it is still breathing, it is still available to us. We must nurture it in order to nurture our children. So there is no nurturing education without nurturing our culture. There is no nurturing our children without nurturing our culture. And if we don't do that first, then every person in here who is involved in educating children in some way, like you're doing yourself a disservice. And the truth be told, you're just wasting your time. So thank you all for hearing, for letting me share. In My Skin is a production of the University of Pittsburgh Pride Program, which stands for Positive Racial Identity Development and Early Education. Pride is part of Pitt's Office of Child Development. You can find every episode at racepride.pitt.edu. This episode is produced by me, Adam Flango, with help from Pride Director Aisha White and Pride Director of Engagement Medina Jackson. You can listen to In My Skin anywhere you get podcasts, and if you like this episode, tell a friend about it. Special thanks to our funders, the W.K. Kellogg Foundation and Hillman Family Foundations, for helping make In My Skin possible.